Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I'm your co-host, Kieran Feb, joined by the one, the only, the Don't Adam Childs. That's me. Hey guys, what's up? Adam Childs here with my button pusher man, Kieran Lefebvre. Button monkey. Boom, boom. Episode 130. As you guys know by now, every 10 episodes, we do our Ask a Black Belt episode, which is uh, just 11. called Ask a Black Belt. But yeah, Ask a can, Black Belt Q&A. Number, yeah, number 11. Number 11. Number 11. Holy shit, look at us go. It's crazy. Yeah, obviously they didn't come out. We didn't do them every 10 episodes. We had some, you know, mini milestone episodes and whatever. But it's not just questions for me. That's just the name of the episode. Questions for Kieran as well because he mm. knows – some I don't things. know, some things, enough well, things that fit on one hand. Yeah, at least, at least one hand. Yeah. Because Ask a Blue Belt didn't have the same ring to it. And I mean, when we started, you were a white belt. That is true. Yeah. Imagine, ask a white belt. Speaking I of. had, <laughs> hey, hey, hang on. Can you turn me up a bit, bro? Turn, I mean, my headphones up. Turn yep. my headphones up. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very loud. Turn me down. Turn me down. Turn me down. Turn me down. So... I don't know if I don't think we had this conversation um like off off record. I don't think we've had this conversation at all. I always say like off air, just yeah, yeah, by yeah. default saying <laughs> that like as if anyway. So I had two different people send me some things regarding changing the artwork. Oh, we've to, had a lot, yeah. I know that yes, supposedly, right? But anyway, there's some like polls that you've created where mm. you just use all your logins to vote for changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so I had two different things get sent through. One was a guy who I asked, you know, because they were ordering a rash guard. Mm. And um, I said, oh, do you think the artwork should be changed? And he essentially said, if Kieran wants it changed to blue, then no, fuck him. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it. But That's such a good response. But if he's kind of like actually doesn't really give a shit and he's like, man, whatever, it can stay white, I don't care. He's like, yeah, then he can change it to blue. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that is that is the and perfect then, mindset to have. And then another person sent, you might have seen this one because I believe it was sent to our Instagram, mm. I, uh, I, I believe from memory. Uh, someone who sent us a whole conversation with Chatbot, uh, Chat GPT. I did you not see, see this? this. No, no, no. So for those who don't know, uh, this you know newish AI. Called, yeah, have you been um, living under a rock? Yeah, called um, Chat GPT. Chat GPT, which is essentially, um, if people remember in the early day, early days, in little air quotes of the internet, um, Chatbot was this sort of website. You oh, Google go Chatbot. Yeah. Yeah, you could just like go and chat with this AI. Yeah. This is essentially that on steroids. It can write code. It can, yeah. you know, do, you know, it's apparently passed the bar as in like the legal exam, the bar. Like, you know, uh, we've got a few students at the gym who are teachers at high school and, you know, it's becoming a problem for kids doing essentially just using the chat bot to get their homework done. Yeah. And write essays for them. You yeah. Know? <clears throat> so, Anyway, so they had sent through a whole conversation that they had had with with Chat GPT, essentially trying to get Chat GPT on your side of changing the artwork. Oh my god! And it didn't. Oh my! <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it was all I, like. How have I not seen it was this? All like Chat Chat how GPT was was all like, oh well, you know, like it's very common in you know in the entertainment or the creative industry that they'll 
often take creative liberties and leave certain artworks away to maintain continuity and blah, 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 blah all these things that – Who sent this? I this can't is remember, bro. It was a while back and it was – Oh, my God. And it was quite a long um, – it was quite a long message. It, t- it took a while to read the whole conversation. Oh man, I'm uh, I'm shocked I didn't see this because I yeah, love ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have to. I feel bad. I mean, you have to have a look afterwards or try it's to find hard. it later. For but- anyone that has sent us a message on Instagram before, sometimes Adam will see it and I don't get the notification, so I won't see it ever until it's it's kind of weird. We yeah, because we both have access to the Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Whichever one of us kind of reads the message first, then the other person won't yeah. get the notification. So exactly. They often won't. So sometimes things get missed. So we never do it on purpose, but. I'm trying to... But what we never miss is questions submitted to the Q&A episode. So today we are going through... That's because they come in fucking audio format, bro. Audio format. We never wow. miss that shit. Wow, never miss audio format. So if you want a question on the next episode of the show, it is not too late. You can... Well, it's too late for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But unless, you can, unless one of the listeners happens to have my phone number and calls me right now randomly or if they submit it to the inbox i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna update the inbox at the end see if we get any last minute questions that'll be interesting but if you want to submit a sh- uh, question to the show you can do so via the link in our bio it's submit a question click that bad boy record a message straight from your phone and we will get it in our ears oh yeah and then we'll play it on the show so you can have it in your ears um I don't know, man. It might have been on my Instagram anyway. I, can't, oh, I, I, can't, I can't remember where, Dude, where it was. One I mean, of the I'll first be. things I did with ChatGPT, I shit you not, was got it to write a poem. And the poem Gay. was – The poem <laughs> – <laughs> The poem was my feelings for you. No, the poem was talking about uh, Chad – the white belt getting smashed by a blue belt named Kieran. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. oh, it was so good. And I sent it to Chad. I'm like, bro, <laughs> it was actually really, really funny. But uh, anyway, without further preamble, without further ado, let's get into the first question. Let's go. First question is from- Wait, do we want to do this first? Oh, yes. A quick shout out to our, our latest Patreon uh, and you. Thank you so much for becoming a Patreon. Thank you for joining. And let's go. First question from Aaron. And a few weeks out from episode 130, the next series of Ask a Black Belt. Thought I'd drop your line with this one. Um, curious about when is the onus upon you to move when in an advantageous position? Let's say somebody is, you know, maybe you're in turtle, they've got your back, they're not really threatening with anything, but you're not in a great position. At what point would you say the onus is upon you to move rather than the other person who's in a better position? A lot of coaches will start saying to you, have to move, have to move. I know, Kieran, you've spoken about you don't want to be stationary in your jiu-jitsu this year, so I'm definitely taking that on board. But sometimes if you feel safe and you don't want to put yourself in further danger, I'm very curious on your thoughts as to when it's your chance to move or your onus to move as opposed to the attacking player. Always love your perspective. Thanks again, dudes. Epic. Awesome question, Aaron. Um, yeah, good question. Uh, I'll start it off with how I answer most questions. It depends. <laughs> I wish I had a uh, cup of water. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it does depend, you know, what are the, what are the circumstances. So if we just say I, I often, whenever I explain something or teach something, I'll always explain it as if, you know, as if you were reading it out of a textbook or as if someone said to you, like, gun to your head, describe this in one sentence or whatever. Uh, Obviously, 
they're more sort of guidelines and you can really color outside the lines and always bend the rules and whatever, but you need to understand the rules to bend them. So if I just had one sent- sentence to answer this question, it would essentially be answered, well, the, the obligation is always on the person attacking. The obligation is always on the person in the, in the better position to, to attack and they're the ones who are going to get stalling penalties if I had to answer it in, in one, one sentence. However, it's not, as, it's not as clear as that. If we look at the complete opposite end of the, the spectrum and say, well, let's look at the, the who's next finale, which was Isaac Mitchell and um, what's his name, Kyle, uh, was it Kyle Chambers? Is that yeah. his name? Yep. You know, no time limit, no points, submission only. Well, then like, it, there's no pressure on anyone to do anything. Like, you know, you could stay there as long as you want, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't really matter. So it depends. On, are we looking at regular points competition? Are we looking at some no time limit submission only thing? Are we looking at training? If we're just looking at training, then I my advice is when, when should you move when you're the person in the bad position? Well, pretty much like straight away. Like I always say to my students that, you know, if I'm watching a couple of students roll and I and I see one person, let's say, mount on the bottom, okay, and they make it to the end of the round, but they didn't get submitted. They go, oh, I'm that blue belt rolling with that purple belt, but I didn't get submitted. You didn't fucking try to do anything. Like you just hunkered down and did absolutely nothing. Mm. Or I look at that blue belt training with the purple belt who tried to escape mount but got submitted. Like I'm more impressed with what the latter did. You know, like it's training. Like you got to, you got to try and I would prefer to see you try to escape and fail so you can fix a problem and get better at it than just be like, I hate people that think not getting submitted is a victory. Mm. You know, so. Definitely. Then if we go back to looking at competition, well, it also depends. Are you down on points and there's a minute left? So you have to get out and score, otherwise you're going to lose the match. Are you up on points and there's only 30 seconds left, you know, and you just kind of not, you know, I don't want to say stall, but you don't have an obligation on you. As the person, let's say, mount on the bottom, there is no, uh, from a rule point of view, no obligation for you to do anything, really. Exactly. Right? So if I was if I was up on points in a comp and I'm and but then I managed to get mounted, but I'm still up on points and there's 30 seconds left, I'm not really gonna take an unnecessary risk mm-hmm. to try escape mount and potentially get armbarred or get my back taken or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to like that's just for me, that's not stalling. That's just being intelligently strategic or not even strategic. It's just understanding very basic rules of the sport that you're competing in. Yeah. Obviously if there was no time limit or obviously if there was still four minutes left in the match, I'm not going to sit there mount on the bottom and stall out four minutes. Right. In terms of when would the person in the bad position start getting penalized for stalling? That question I'm not exactly sure because IBJJF likes to change their rules every fortnight. Yeah, or maybe you can't. I'm not really sure. Hypothetically, right, if you're in a bad position, how can you stall? Well, think about it like this. Sometimes you might be stuck in a position that you can't. Let's say, let's imagine a 
position where it's actually it's considered neutral. Let's say like close guard, right? Maybe There's you're in someone's position, close yeah. guard. It's considered a neutral position. However, the the obligation is still on the person on top to progress. Right. But maybe you're trying your hardest to get out of your close guard and you can't and mm. the person on the bottom is not doing anything other than keeping you in close guard. Mm. They haven't tried a single sweep or submission. Or yeah. let's say maybe you're in someone's half guard and you've got a cross face and everything but they've put you in a lockdown that you can't manage to undo and progress mm. and you're like – and they're not doing anything other than keeping you in a lockdown. I've, I've and, seen that. And you're like yeah. – and, and you almost start like looking around being like, I like I'm trying here. I can't, mm. I can't yeah. get out of this position and he's not doing – like – Yeah. So I actually don't know the answer to that question. So I saw this wise. I saw this exact scenario play out in a comp that I was at recently. It wasn't my match but I was watching this match and it was Blue Belt Division um, and the position was a body lock in Nogi. And the person on top had zero interest in progressing. They were up on an advantage, didn't do shit, just held them, like just held him there, right? The person on the bottom also didn't do shit, wasn't trying to escape, wasn't really trying to do anything. They were just exhausted, just sort of laying there, like, you know, fucking around with their head a little bit, but not really doing anything. And they both got penalized. Yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon to see both parties get mm. get penalized. Yeah, they were uh, literally, they were just resting, yeah. just having a cuddle. Oh, I do like a good cuddle. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so yeah you know Aaron really depends on what are the circumstances that we're answering the question if let's but yeah let's take it to what 99% of your jujitsu time is training and that's training right even for the most active competitor Mm. you spend more time training than you do competing Mm. so the majority of your jujitsu is in the gym training Mm -hmm. when should the person in the bad position when should it be on them to move I mean it always you should doesn't matter what position you're in you have an objective and that is to submit your opponent Mm -hmm. right that's the overall objective so it doesn't matter what position you're in I'm not saying be mount on the bottom and go for a submission but like you know your objective it's to submit them so if you have to escape mount in order to do that which you do right short of some freaky Craig Jones no gear Ezekiel right but people know what I mean then the pressure like in my opinion, the pressure is equally yeah. on both parties to to progress. But I do understand your question, Aaron. Like, but yeah, like I said at the start, if it was just one sentence in a textbook, it's always on the person attacking in the good position from a, a rule perspective. Mm. They have to progress, and the person who's defending doesn't have to. What do you say to say, for example, you're rolling with a higher belt, and maybe they have a weight <laughs> advantage on you, or it doesn't really matter. You're rolling with a higher belt. And maybe you're a handful for this high belt and they get you in like side control or something and they just hold you there and see how long they can hold you. And there's like three minutes left on the clock and all they're doing is is they're not progressing, they're not going for anything, they're just death gripping you. Is this, uh, are you talking about our role or something? No, no, no. Uh, okay. Wait, does, it, I, does it feel like I'm <laughs> describing our role? It does, it does. Does, it does but the I don't shoe recall. fit, Adam? <laughs> it does sound like that, but I don't recall this happening. No, it didn't. That's it. That sounds like something I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, at the moment, for for anyone who I'm, you know, has forgotten, or you know, when you were a listener, I had knee surgery two months ago now, and uh, yeah, it's still I don't like it hurts to have my knee on the mat. So if I get to side control, I do kind of just lay there, 
because I can't really like be on my knees. I can't switch from one side control to the other without banging my knee into the mat. I can't do knee on belly. I don't really want to, <coughs> excuse me, I don't really want to go to mounts because then I'm on my knees. Mm. So I definitely at the moment, if I get side control, I'm a little bit like, oh, what do I do now? I can't really, <laughs> I'll just lay here. Uh, but yeah, that, that, I mean, that's not a bad question. That's definitely happened to me in training for sure. And sometimes, oh, I would argue that majority of the time, if you're against someone, they don't even have to be better than you and heavier than you, even someone the same weight and similar skill. Mm. If they get to side control and all they want to do is keep you there, it's actually very difficult to escape. It's usually when people start attacking, even if they're really good at their attacks, you can't, you know, you can't have it all, you know, you can't, what's the expression? Have your cake and eat it too. Like you have to, you have to trade off some level of control for, you know, the mobility that you want to move, you know, Mm -hmm. towards whatever arm, or you've got to give up control of one arm to gain more control of the other arm because that's the one you want to attack or something you know, that's always a trade off. So a lot of the time that's when your opportunities for escape happen. So if someone really is just, you know, side control and, they have no objective other than holding you down. Man, it's fucking really, really hard to get out in my yeah. experience and, and my opinion. Yep. You know, um, but when so, you do get out, the onus is on you to put as much smash on as punishment as you that's can. That's right, yeah, yeah. That's not necessarily a position that gets me angry. I only really have one position that makes me go sort of uh, illogically rage mode, <laughs> which I, I just – really want to murder someone deep half <laughs> no, <laughs> no i actually okay, don't have okay. a problem with deep half i, I mean, know you don't i do <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's your position at the moment that frustrates you yep. like i mean it just takes me longer to pass deep half than a, a another half guard mm. but i mean i've spent so much time in deep half on top that uh, i've spent a lot too but i haven't i haven't cracked it yet i'm yeah, still it doesn't phase me i feel pretty comfortable there in saying that obviously if i would have roll with bernardo i'm gonna get swept out the wazoo instantly, yeah. right? But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? You were saying position that frustrates you. Allegedly. Oh, yeah, man. The one that makes me go crazy is when I'm um, side control with someone and I still have my arm between their legs and they and they like push my head between their legs to do that dumbass reverse triangle that never oh. locks in and he's just across your face. And there's you know? zero choking pressure. It yeah. just is uncomfortable. Like, I'm not talking about the one that Braille was steamer hit on. Andre Galvao years ago that was like perfectly set up and locked in and it was a setup. I know exactly. I'm talking position. about like a beginner who's just like, dare I'll do this to get out of psych. Bro, yeah, I'm going to fuck it. you up when I get my head out. <laughs> I, don't fu- I, don't care. I don't care what, uh, what belt you are. Yeah, that position makes me really like illogically angry. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've ever, I think maybe once, once in my entire career, I've had someone do it and it's actually been a choke yep. and locked. It's always you just you squeezing my head, yep. you know, it's, and it's, it's different to getting choked across the face from the back where it's like, well, man, you're t- tucking your chin. You're putting your face in the way of your neck. I don't want your face, but. And you can still choke. Yeah. And you can still choke them right across mm. the face. Anyway, I did it to Chad last night, actually. Yeah. Uh, I do it to him all the time. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like a, it's just like a, you just squeeze in my head yeah. for nothing. I'm going to fucking smash you. <laughs> I'm going to put you there just, just to get some smash. I'm so angry. Anyway, Aaron, I know that's a, uh, oh, well, you've listened long enough. It's always going to be a ramble. 
in our, in our <laughs> But yeah, man, if we're talking about training, just always like you, you're not going to get better, you know, in the only, unless you're training for a no time limit submission only match where your entire strategy is going for 12 hours and having the other guy give up because he's bored. Yeah. And you, like this whole like, oh, but at least I didn't get submitted. You know, uh, the same way that a lot of the times your escapes become possible or appear as the person begins to attack. Mm. It works the other way around as well. A lot of the time your attacking opportunities present themselves as the person's moving, trying to create space to move. So, you know, it's no different to a lot of other positions in jiu-jitsu where, you know, I know that you're trying to do this, but you know that I know that, you know, it's like most positions. Oh, when they do this, you're going to do this. But when they do that, you're going to do that, you know. Isn't Hodger Gracie famous for saying, how can you take someone's back from Mount if you never let them move or something? No, no, it was Marcelo. Oh, Marcelo. Yeah, because Hodger, he'll take Mount. He'll take Mount, right, right. Yeah, but Marcelo exactly was like, you know, well, how how can I, for those who don't know, very well known for, you know, taking people's back and having amazing finishes from the back and back control. But, yeah, in an interview, like, years and years and years ago he said something along the lines of how can how can you be expected to take someone's back if you don't let them give it to you, you, know, yeah. if, you if you don't yeah. let them turn and take their back off yep. the mat how can you take their back yeah exactly remember this was before the days of bearing bolos mm-hmm. where nowadays you can you know force someone's back off the mat with crab ride and all this fancy stuff but yeah you know i think the point still stands okay next question is from lewis hey kieran and adam um, I've been training for about uh, 11 months now, but I feel like I'm improving, but I'm only able to you know, ever submit or positionally be the less experienced people in my gym. Um, I continuously struggle to submit or sometimes even be positionally dominant against the more experienced guys. And it feels like something I can never catch up and reach their level, even though um, I'm improving. Have you guys ever experienced this feeling? How did you overcome it? Thank you. Um, all right, Lewis, how do we tackle this one? So the people that are more experienced than you, first we got to ask, well, how much more experienced, okay? So obviously things start to, to plateau, like anything in life, any new skill that you're trying to acquire, there's always beginner gains. The biggest improvement is at the beginning because you go from, you know, 0% competency to 10%, 20%, 30%, like really quickly. But then obviously the the closer you get to a hundred percent, things start to flatten out and plateau and, you know, the gains become much more difficult and further spaced out. So, Yes, you're like nine months, right? Let's just call it a year. How much more experienced are these people? You know, are they just one or two months more experienced? Because I remember when I was a white belt or, you know, even an early blue belt, it was kind of the gauge of like that was you would, if someone was better than you or you were better than them, the only metric you had was the amount of time they'd been training for. Because when you're, when you've been training for six months, right, and someone else has been training for a year, well, obviously if you have two black belts talking to each other and one's trained for six months longer than the other one, six months is negligible, mm. right? Like, I mean, if you're talking at a career that's spent over a decade or more and people have multiple injuries, time on and off the mat, like six months is nothing. 
But if you're looking at two white belts and they both train the same amount as in whatever it is they do, two, three classes a week, one's trained for six months, one's trained for 12 months, well, one has literally trained twice as long as the other one, right? It is no different to why you see huge progression in in fucking babies and toddlers because percentage-wise, you know, a month for a, a three-month-old baby is a fucking third of their life, you know? So obviously you see huge gains when, you know, when percent proportionate to how long they've been alive or how long you've trained. Get them baby gains. Get yo. those baby gains, yo. <laughs> so, of course, you're still in that, like, let's call let's call the first year of jiu-jitsu your beginner gains just for, for argument's sake. You're still in a beginner gains phase. So these more experienced people, if they, yeah, if, if they've been training one month longer than you, two months longer than you, then okay, like we could, we could talk about some of the more finer points like, you know, okay, well, are you doing more classes than them? If you're doing the same amount of classes, then in theory they will continue to stay mm. one month, two months ahead of you. Like if you want to catch them, you need to do more than them, right? Mm. I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. If these more experienced people than you have been training for two years, three years, four years, man, it could be years before you catch them or start giving them a hard time, right? Like experience goes a long way in jiu-jitsu, I reckon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard to give you a concrete answer. But I remember when I was when I was a white belt, the first gym that I trained at was in Canada. And I remember looking at this, this blue belt and he was like whatever it was, a – two stripe or four stripe blue belt or something. And he was like the top dude in the gym because it was a small gym. It wasn't like a gym full of black belts and brown belts and purple belts. It was like a, a small, you know, sort of gym. So he was like the top dude in the gym, won all the competitions, everything. And I remember, and you know, he was similar size to me and everything. And I remember looking up to him, Curtis was his name and thinking how, like, how is it ever possible to get that good? You know, like it just made no sense. You know, whenever I rolled with him, I was like, I can't do anything like how like it's impossible I'll, I'll never be that good and i'm like referring to a blue belt not mm. like a world champion black belt going i'll never be able to do that it's just you know not not no dig at curtis curtis was very good and is he continued to train i believe you know he's a black belt now and everything but you know i was just talking about just a blue belt yep and i was still lost for words at how you could get that good you can get that good. You don't, levels, you, man. Yeah, you don't even have to go on to become one of the greatest in the world to get as good as a competent blue belt. So, you know, if you really want to catch these people, let me give you some hopefully tangible advice so you don't just walk away from this episode going, well, that fucking didn't help, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, if for argument's sake, if they are years more experienced than you, then just keep chipping away. You got years to go, and you'll catch them, right? Or you'll you know, because even if even if they're you've been training for a year, they've been training for five years, and you go, well, you know, how many classes do I have to do to catch up to the four years more experience they have? You don't necessarily because remember, like I said, it starts to plateau, right? So you know, maybe by the time you've been training for five years and they've been training for nine, you know the on the 0% to 100% scale, you're not going to be that far behind. But at the moment, you're like, you know, 30% behind, right? Which is mm -hmm. a huge chunk. 
so if they're years more experienced than you, um, Lewis, then just keep chipping away. If they're, you know, been training for one month, two months longer than you, well, then ask yourself if they're doing two classes a week, but you're also only doing two classes a week. I mean, like you do, you're going to stay behind to some extent. Like you've got to, yeah, you've got you to put in more work. And I went through this I, I, in the sense that I caught, caught in little air quotes, a lot of people who were more experienced and better than me mm-hmm. because, you know, when I started and almost from day one though, to be honest, I did pretty much like devote everything to it. Mm. For those who don't know a huge amount about my background, like when I started jiu-jitsu, I came from other martial arts and I, you know, I didn't go to uni. I actually didn't even finish high school in Australia. And um, I'd looked at universities and uh, TAFE courses, which in Australia TAFE is like a – Like a college system. Like a college yeah. sort of education system. And I looked at like multiple courses and there was nothing I wanted to do with my life in terms there was nothing that I saw that subject I could see myself doing and be happy. But when I found jujitsu, I pretty instantly realized, oh, actually, like you can have a gym and make money doing this. You know, I mean, of course, we know jujitsu is notorious for not making money, but I was like, this can be at least this direction. So pretty much when I first started training jujitsu, I would train like four or five times a week or more. And, and, yeah, like I caught a lot of people who were more experienced than me and, um, and were higher belts than me or whatever because, you know, they trained once or twice a week and I was there doing like – I was there five days a week but I would do like sort of like eight, ten classes a week, mm-hmm. you know, so I'd do multiple classes a day and my, I caught up to them, you yep. know, and then, and then, then they're sending, submitting questions to the podcast being like why do I keep – I'm a blue belt. Why do I keep losing to this two-stripe white belt? Right? I mean, so. I have to ask something here. I've been sort of hanging on to this question. I'm not changing the artwork, bro. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have a question here. Like I'm nitpicking. But when it comes to the term experience, what would you consider to be, who who would have more experience in jiu-jitsu? A blue belt that from day one, has trained an average of eight sessions per week or that purple belt that has been training for five years averages one and a half to two sessions per week for that five years. Simple math would state that the blue belt has more sessions. Yeah. Who has more experience? Who has more hours on the mat? Yeah, I think it's – I think like you said, it's really – it's nitpicking, it's it's splitting hairs because you could argue that the blue belt has more experience because they have more mat time, mm. but you could argue that the purple belt has more experience because it's spanned a longer time, mm. right? So the chances are the – sorry, the, the purple, purple belt because their time on the mat, even though they've done less hours on the mat, it's it's been over a greater period of time. So you could argue that they're more experienced because they've seen more jujitsu trends come and go than you. They've probably trained with multiple different people. Than, like as a whole, they probably trained with, you know, a hundred different persons, but you might have only trained with 50 because it's in a more more um, condensed, time, condensed frame. time frame. So I think that's splitting hairs. Like I, I, I think it's – I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sold. You want, yeah, I know, because you want me to say the blue belt's more experienced. Well, I right? think that they are, because in my, well, depending on the blue belt, but maybe, maybe this is me being an arrogant piece of shit. But I played that game that you were talking about, where you were like, "Hey, I'm trying to catch this person, right? 
in, in your yeah, gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played that game. I've been playing it for years. And in in my experience playing that game, once you rack up more mat time, most of the time, depending on who you're comparing yourself to, you become more competent in certain areas, right? Yeah, but like, um, yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I can see you squirming. This is great. <laughs> uh, I mean, like anything in life, it can only really be explained with an analogy. Oh, please. So, um, please hit me. Like, let's say, for example, if we, if, if we look at surfing, mm. so maybe you've spent more time in the water in a more condensed time frame mm. than this other person who's been doing it for longer in terms of years. Mm. You could argue that they're more experienced because, you know, yeah, you've been in the water for more in a condensed time, but like, you know, every 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 year, like the swell's different. Every, you know, like it's so they've had more experience over a bigger chunk of time. So, you know, the the waves and the swell and what you had to deal with in the winter of, you know, the surf season of 2014 is completely different to the surf season of, you know, 2020 and 2021 where you put all your hours in. But I've had – I still, I got to experience the swell in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. Mm. Like I, I got to experience multiple different swell conditions, right, whereas you spent more time in the water but you were kind of exposed to very similar – Less variables. Condi- less variables, right, yeah. yeah. So, you know – it's obviously not the perfect analogy because if both people are in the same gym and they don't visit yeah. other gy- but you know what I mean? Like I'm I just get what saying, you're saying that over a bigger period of time. And I'm not I'm not siding with the purple belt. Calm no, down, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying I, that, I just we're next hairs, <laughs> that we're splitting hairs and you yeah. can I'm the only reason I'm arguing for the purple belt is because you're arguing for the blue belt. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I I think that another argument can be made for the purple belt. To expand upon that, and because jujitsu is well, this argument could go both ways. But because jujitsu is a very physical endeavor, right? Yeah, there's a lot of mental side to it. It's very, you know, it can be a very intellectual sport. But there's a certain thing to be said about body coordination, balance, and motor control, right? And that takes longer to develop. It takes longer for your brain to develop those neuron connections, those motor neuron connections, to uh, master your movements. Yes, it can be done through repetition and more time. Obviously, that's the best way to do it. But I'm not sure about the exact science of this, but you could make an argument that by expanding or expanding rather your jujitsu out over a longer time period, you have your body has more time to adapt. So you'll be more efficient than someone who has crammed those hours into a shorter time span. Yeah. And I don't agree with it, but that, that argument could but be I think, made. yeah, like it's just also – it's also just the variables, right? So who's more experienced in this scenario? Paul Lewis is like, you guys have – you guys went 20, yeah, so yeah, far off from my question. <laughs> um, uh, who's more experienced in this scenario? You've had 100 days in the water. Mm-hmm. Every, like surfing cave, yep. Yep. Every one of those days yep. is surfing mm-hmm. at um, whatever, let's say pipeline. Every okay. one of those 100 days. I've had 20 days of surfing, but I've surfed Pipeline, Chopu, Snapper Rock, uh, Shipwrecks. That's, some, oh, you that's some hectic places to surf of 20 days. <laughs> okay, or let's put it this way. Let's go back to Jiu-Jitsu. Yes, please. Right? <laughs> you've, you've been doing whatever it is, like 10 sessions a week, every week, blah, yep. blah, blah, and you've, and you've 
Like, let, let's just add another variable in. Okay. There's the blue belt and the purple belt that we've been talking about. Yep. And we're talking about mat time. Yep. What if we just add one more variable? Okay. Who's more experienced now? The blue belt who's done no competitions mm. and the purple belt who's done 10. Mm. Who's more experienced now? Well, what we could do is we could come up with a formula <laughs> and apply one, one hour in competition to equal X amount of hours in training. Therefore, and I, I'll throw another one for you. Who's, this one is pretty easy, but another variable, right? Who's more experienced? The blue belt that has spent 100 hours on the mats, but all of those 100 hours have been the best team in the world or the purple belt who's had 100 hours spread, spread across five years. And those 100 hours have been floating from gym to gym. Yeah, or maybe they've had 500 hours, but it's yeah. at yeah. some dog shit gym. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's with just a, with a big dojo. Yeah, there's just too many variables. So, so who I has think, more experience. Yeah. Who's, so, but if we're, if the argument is time versus mat time, I don't know, bro. Fuck, who cares? I, yeah. I mean, evidently you, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. We'll just sort it out in the mats, bro. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm more experienced if I win, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there you go. Well, that, yeah. again, that doesn't even matter because other variables. You know, if we're talking about experience versus uh, actually who who would win in a role, well, it's, it's completely irrelevant because what are the ages? What are the what are the physical That's attributes? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, there's so many different variables. So, d- it, it does it really matter at the end of the day? But I suppose back to Lewis's question when he was talking about, you know, how can you catch people that are more experienced? What I would do is set goals for yourself, target. This is what I did and this is what you would advise me to do is, is essentially target people in the gym. I want to achieve this goal with this training partner. Yeah. And I've been doing that for years and it helps so much. Yeah, so, so much. one of these guys, Lewis, that you're struggling with, instead of give yourself a more specific goal. Mm. So rather than saying, okay, maybe some of them you can kind of get the better of them but you can't submit them, so you go submitting them. Yep. But let's say there might be one dude who – like you just, no matter what, like maybe you can submit him if you start with him in your closed guard, for example, mm. but maybe you can never pass him or make that with that guy, your goal is passing him. Look at your training partners as a tool to improve your jujitsu and look at them like exercises in a gym. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Billy Bob over there, He's your deadlift and you've got a goal of being able to deadlift, you know. Billy Bob. You know, Billy Bob, deadlift <laughs> 120 kilos or whatever it is. And, you know, Sean over there, he's your, you know, he's your chin-ups and you've got a goal of being able to do, you know, 10 chin-ups or whatever it is. Like, you know, so Billy Bob, you're passing his guard. You know, Sean over there, you want to be able to. 10 times. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> want to be able to, you know, sweep him or you want to yep. be able to take his back. Like set specific goals for these for these individuals that you're struggling to catch, right? Um, yeah, and that's a good tangible goal and it's also then a good metric you can use for your progression because obviously these guys are progressing as well. You feel like you're getting better, they're getting better too unless they're not training, but obviously mm. they are. Otherwise you wouldn't be training with them. So, you know, that's it's a metric that you can use. So you might feel like, man, I just can't catch these guys. But then if you stop and look and you go, oh, no, but hang on. No, I, I took fucking – I took Sean's back. That was like – you know, so I am getting better. I'm not uh, – you know, oh, I passed Billy Bob. Okay, like he regarded and then submitted me. But like previously I couldn't pass him. Like I am chipping away and I am catching them. 100%. I like it. But, yeah, um, you know, if we've taken away anything from this, Kieran is more experienced. Then, then, then just, uh, just anyone. Just you. Just, just, just life. You, just, just life. Yeah. Fucking everyone. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm very experienced, guys. 
<laughs> and uh, very experienced podcaster. Next question from Ben. Hey guys, what's up? It's Ben here, the uh, legendary British blue belt. Um, <laughs> you can check me out. <laughs> Plugging myself shamelessly. What a uh, ben does jujitsu on YouTube. Anyway, I have a question for you, Kieran, my man. Um, yeah, we've chatted a bit. You're a legend. Just want to throw that out there. But you recently you sent me a picture. We're on our group chat. You sent a picture of you winning triple gold. And my question for you is: <laughs> out of that whole tournament and all your matches, what is one moment that stands out for you as being a damn? I can't believe this just happened type of moment um was it when you hit any particular submission or yeah what was that moment for you and how did it feel to um get such a quite a significant accomplishment in a triple gold so yeah love you guys and uh hope things are good peace man he's plugging for me i don't even need a good question man but fucking (laughs) clean yourself up bro clean put some clean pants on take the poster of kieran off your wall oh no, no, that was good. Ben that is good. What a legend. For, for those that don't know, a bit of a plug on Ben. Definitely check out Ben Does Jiu-Jitsu on YouTube. Um, absolute up-and-coming, rising star in the Jiu-Jitsu world. He is a very good editor. He edits for uh, Jordan Teachers Jiu-Jitsu. He edits for a couple other guys as well that I don't know if I'm at liberty to say, but sure. Um, so he he does a lot of work. If Chances are your favorite Jiu-Jitsu YouTuber has had some uh, editing done by Ben. So if you need any editing work, see Ben. Um, and check out his channel. He's got some good stuff. So, excellent question. I don't even need to plug my uh, my my competition prowess. That Ben's doing it for me. Um, th- is there a moment that stands out? Yeah, there's one. There, I have a perfect one for this. So, and I haven't heard this unless you told me in passing. But- uh, I probably have. So, I recently competed uh, at a local comp, and I, I signed up last minute. I wasn't even going to tell anyone that I was competing. Uh, but it I was had on to, a Saturday. You only told yeah. me on the Wednesday. Yeah. And the only reason you told me is you needed to like not train. justify why you were not yeah. training. I didn't want to cop the, come on, bro. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, I got to tell you. And then I told Aaron um, because I wanted to roll with him, do some flow rolling and he wasn't rolling that day anyway. So, and then anyway, blah, blah, blah. So sign up last minute, blah, blah, blah. No one else from our gym went to this comp because it was sort of like flew under the radar. We weren't really plugging it. And not many people at our gym compete all that much. Soft. Yeah. So I rocked up. There was, you know, your your standard people there that are at every comp, blah, blah, blah. But every time I competed, every time I, I had a match, uh, it was in three divisions. Every time I won, there was silence. <laughs> like a fucking, you could hear a penny drop, bro. Because, you know, it is what it is. Like people are shouting out for their, their boy that's on the mat. It's like, you know, get him, fucking do this. The coaches are yelling advice and shit. And then, you know, when they they, they would lose, all the teammates just dead silent. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but it was so fucking satisfying. Is I, that the moment? No, no, as no, a no, whole? no, no, oh, okay. no. I just want to set the stage. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm leading up to it. So uh, at this, so the, the moment I want to talk about was in the very, very last match of the last division of the day for, for me. And it was like, one of the last matches. So the, the, the hall was pretty silent. You know, most people had left by that stage. There was just people supporting who were still competing. The, the few people that, that still had to go. This was no gi absolute division. So at this point, this was the 10th match I'd had for the day. Um, and I was pretty fucking exhausted, but 
uh, I was getting, I was like, G myself up. This is the last one. I wanted the triple gold. Like I was, I was G myself up, ready to go. And the guy that I was going up against, a young guy who is Chilean and was visiting Australia for what I don't know, he's backpacking or something. Young guy, I think he's like 18 or something like that. Really good. I would, I'd already had a match with him in the uh, Gi Absolute. So he'd won all the way up to the Gi Absolute as well. And um, I won that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we go out and he pretty much pulls guard on me straight away and I'm trying to pass him. Um, don't have too much left in the tank, but I'm trying to pass him, trying to pass him. I think I was up like two advantages at this point, but it was pretty even. Um, he had me trapped in, you know, one point quarter guard on mount and I couldn't free my leg. I didn't go to take his back. I just wasn't thinking right, blah, blah, blah. And then somehow from like a half guard position, he swept me. I came up straight away, but I consolidated the sweep for like barely three seconds. So he was up two points. I was up like two or three advantages, but he got up two points and there was only like a minute left in the match. And I was shitting bricks. I'm like, holy fuck. I've just spent five minutes trying to pass this kid. I can't fucking pass him. I've like got nothing left in the gas tank. And now he swept me. Somehow we ended up with um, me back on the bottom and he he came on top. For, yeah, for the sweep, right? Um, so yeah, you're I, on the bottom. Yeah, I was on the bottom because I got swept. I was yeah. on the bottom. Like I said, it was a minute left. And I think it was in my clothes guard or some shit. I'm like, fuck, like, what am I going to do from here, man? Like, I'm not really. This is the worst position ever. Yeah, this, this is like in, because whenever we do that drill, because in, in the gym, we do a, a drill that simulates the last like minute of a, of a jujitsu match. And it's like pass, sweep, submit. And whenever you're the guard player, like most of the time during that drill. It's hard. It, it, yeah. It's really fucking hard. Like yeah. you have to make something happen. And what was I going to do? Open my guard, get up and, and try and pass him. I hadn't been able to pass him for five minutes. How do I, how am I going to pass him? Anyway, um, he had the whole gallery, like half of his gym was there and they were screaming like, yes, you got him. Just hold it. Don't let him, don't let him do this. Don't let him do that. They were just fucking going off. There was like over 10 of them just screaming in this empty fucking hall. Cause it was like the only match going on at the time. Anyway, back to the story. Um, so get this right. I was in close guard and I decided for whatever reason, I grabbed his arm and I put him in a Camorra grip. Sorry, not a Camorra, an Americana grip. I was so, so not even a Camorra. So I couldn't even really finish it, an Americana. So his arm, like imagine he, his arm is out like a right angle. His fist was up near his head, not the, the correct way to break it. And I was just cranking on it, right? <laughs> um, I don't know how the fuck we got there, but I just started like, fuck it. I got to do something. I was desperate. Uh, so I started cranking on this Camorra and he, it was putting a bit of torque. Obviously he was never going to tap, but it was putting a bit of torque. And for some, somehow we sort of fell over. I threw over um, my leg and, and took an armbar and I just fucking ripped on this kid's arm. Like I was trying to break it. Right. And I ended up getting the tap with nine seconds to go in the last match of the day, nine fucking seconds, I got the tap. Um, his elbow was a bit sore. I think I hurt his elbow, but I mean, I just had to take it, right? And I got up, smashed the mat, just was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> like yelled out because I had so much adrenaline because yeah. I hyped it up. It was the last match of the day. I just had 10 fucking matches. I was exhausted and I won coming down from points in the last nine seconds to get triple gold. I was like, holy fucking shit. And the silence was oh, deafening. So good. His whole team just did not say a word. It was just staring at me as I'm like screaming, like being a fuckhead. But uh, nah, you went, you went. <laughs> nah, that's so good. You sent the video to me and you said, oh, I'm, you know, not super stoked with how I 
um, how I behaved with this post-fight celebration. And I was like, it's fine, man. You did nothing. You just gave a scream of yes. Like that was it. It wasn't like you were like doing the whole like, you know, chest bump and oh, kissing kiss your to God. Yeah, and like, you know, <laughs> you know, yes, fingers up to God. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you weren't doing, you weren't like pointing at him being like, you suck. Like, no, <laughs> you just gave an emotional shout of yeah. like, yes, you know, it's fucking fine. And then that yeah. was it. And your shout lasted for half a second. That's and the that, only time know, I've ever reacted to uh, winning or losing a, a match. The only time I've ever actually had like a an outburst or like yeah. a, a, some sort of reaction. But it was a big fucking day. And, yeah, so that moment was holy fucking shit. I cannot believe I clutched. Yes. Yeah, I so cannot good. believe I fucking clutched. Like yeah. the belly down armbar just, man, I, the kid is tough. Like when I had when I versed him in gi, I had him in a bow and arrow and he nearly went out. He was not tapping. Like his eyes went back in the back of his head and, and he was he was going to take it, you know what I mean? And the same with the armor. He left it to the very, very last second. And, until and, then, his and elbow with the crunched. bow and arrow he tapped or he went out? No, he ended up tapping, but he, he um, yeah, he's, his eyes were like rolling back. He was he was about to go. Yeah, yeah. So he, he left it, he's like me in a way, left, leaves shit to the last minute, but you're competing. But with his arm, I, I felt it crunch before he tapped. And he like, the tap was a scream. So well, nine seconds left, bro. You gotta do it. Nine fucking seconds on the call. I saw it. I, I just couldn't believe it. So yeah, yeah that, so, that was one of the best moments. So, so good. Yeah. You'll have to make a YouTube video about that whole. Yeah, I will. Um, the footage is only off my iPhone. I was going to set up my camera, but I decided not to. I just set up like an iPhone resting on like a drink bottle and shit. And, yeah. um, you know, for, for most of it, <laughs> the fucking iPhone fell off for one of them. Over, yeah, 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 so but a, a really good match actually that I had in Gi where I um, got a one-handed rear naked choke. I had control of his left hand and my I had his other leg trapped. Um Sort of like Gordon Ryan v. Gavau, same sort of position, just cranked the one arm. I wanted to get that because it's pretty good. I missed it, yeah. Yeah, and I missed that. But that, that was a really satisfying match. But um, Man, I think if you're ever going to get like emotional though in a match, it's got to be in the final. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm similar. I try to – like I don't think I really ever show any emotion yeah. unless it's in the final. So like if I'm doing the matches leading up to the final – you know, it is what it is. I mean, obviously, if you lose, you typically look a bit devastated. But yeah. like, you know, if you win, I'm just kind of like yep. the most emotional thing I'll do is when someone lifts my hand up. Like, I might thumbs do up. like a thumbs up yeah. or point the one finger up, sort of thing. So yeah, you don't yeah. just have this gimpy ass looking hand get raised. I, I always you leave know? the gimp and like, eh, yeah, you know, you know but I usually probably the the most uh, uh, emotional I would have gotten was when. Like when I won on subversion, I wasn't even emotional. I was like, yeah, yeah see you go, yeah, yeah, yeah job yeah, done. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's a time, you 10th match of the day, you clutch it in the last 10 seconds, of course. When I've told this story before when, you know, back when I was a blue belt and I won this comp that paid for my tickets to the US and I had to fight two dudes who I had previously lost to. Yeah. So, And I remember, you know, when I beat the dude in the final, I had beaten him just on points. And I'd felt him like break a little bit, but I remember there was still, I saw the clock and there was like still two or three seconds left. And I already started screaming. I was already like, yes. Cause no like, I, yeah. Cause I, I mean, he, what was verbal he going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Verbal tap. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet. So I saw recently there was this video that's going around this, I saw it on Instagram, this young guy, this kids divisions, right? Or like pretty young. I don't know. Somewhere around 18. And it was in Nogi and this kid takes the other guy's back, like off an arm drag, back take. It was smooth back take. And he and he's like, hasn't even really sunk in the choke yet. He's just gotten the back and, and started to attack the rear naked choke. And he's already screaming. He's already like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like looking at his looking at uh, his team and like, fuck yeah, get him. And the guy hasn't even tapped. 
and before he's even cranking and then he like sinks it in he's still like chirping and talking and carrying on like a fucking idiot yeah that's lame like that is so lame and that's i mean super disrespectful yeah, yeah and unfortunately it takes away from the the, the arm drag back take was fucking beautiful it was awesome jujitsu but the fact that this guy acted like a flog like totally diminishes it it's there's no need for that and again this is coming from a guy that you know i, I was insecure about you know yelling after you know my story, my little story there, but but still, I think if you're if you're carrying on before you've even tapped your opponent, like I, yeah, all I wanted to happen was yeah. the guy to escape and fuck him up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I would just been, be like, yeah, yeah, now what, bitch? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember going and seeing. I can't remember exactly, but one of my students fought this dude at a comp. It was like white belts, I think, or it might have been blue belts. But anyway, just a little local competition and my student lost to this guy, but this guy was, yeah, similar sort of thing, like super disrespectful in the sense that like he was talking shit mid-match or some, something along those lines that even the guy's coach, who was obviously there coaching his student, turned to me and was like, bro, I'm so sorry. Like, wow. and, then, and then I overheard him ripping into his student yeah. about behaving that way, you wow, know. That's, that's fucked. Yeah, but um, anyway, there must yeah. be – Needs students be, of Herbert Santos or something. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be some like, you know, level of respect. I mean, you don't have to go up and, you know, s- fucking hug him or whatever, your opponent, but you, you don't want to be talking shit. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, guys, um, that episode, we went for longer than we thought. You know, we were only going to get through a few questions and we thought it would be a quick, sharp episode. We did have one fourth question, which we're not going to play. It's from one of my students who <laughs> likes to prank us and send in stupid questions. But I already messaged him and I said, bro, you got to make it a little bit more believable than yeah. that. Like he took it. It's like when you try to lie to someone and, you know, be like, you know, you take it way too far. It's not even believable, bro. You needed, <laughs> you needed to tone that question down a little bit. Just a couple of dodges. It was hilarious. We are debating whether or not we should play it just for the comedic relief, but it's too niche. It's too like too much of an in joke, so yeah, it's what, yeah. people wouldn't really get. Wouldn't it. be funny unless you know specifically the person who it is. So it we're was, not we're not going to play. I it. It's it slightly funny. funny, but slightly <laughs> inappropriate as well. But anyway, bro, if you want to prank us, you got to make it a little bit more believable. Yeah. Even if we know it's you, I'm okay with that. You yeah. don't have to like <laughs> let us let us I mean, be able to play it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you took it a little too far. So. Uh, next time, guys, thanks for listening. As always, you know where you can find us on Instagram at beyond jujitsu underscore podcast if you want to be like and and you and join us as a patreon all the links are in the description mm-hmm. next q a will obviously be episode 140 and next episode i believe i'm looking forward to it because i've kind of semi convinced kieran to talk about a more not controversial subject but um i don't know I mean, it is controversial so, well we're gonna take a well i mean we're, yeah just going to talk about something that some people will agree, some people will disagree. And mm. but if you disagree, I mean, hey, that's well within your rights. And submit you a question. As to why why you disagree? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah go fuck yourself and no, uh, yeah. submit a question. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be talking about a new sort of um, uh, new wave thing. of jujitsu. Yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no. We're not talking of. about anyway. And other stuff going on too. You know, uh, last episode we had the guys on from Subversion. Was that last episode? Yeah. Yep. The last episode we had the guys on from Subversion. Um, some things to talk about regarding subversion mm-hmm. coming up March 18th as well, but we'll save that for next episode or the one after. So a few things already stewing away, guys. Mm. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the flip side. 